You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond, your favorite source for gaming news and entertainment. I am your host, Justin. I'm here with co-host, Jason. And we've got a special guest for you today. He is one of my absolute favorite artists that I see on Instagram and YouTube. I've been watching his videos over and over and over again to learn his techniques and to try to emulate him as best as I can. I've come a, a, a far distance from what he can do, but I'm so glad he's joined us on the show today. It's Josh Berman, also known as Quarter Paint. Hey guys, thanks for uh, having me on. Good to have you here. So, full disclosure, uh, Josh and I recorded an episode last week, and while we were doing it, um, apparently we had some technical difficulties, so we're re-recording today, so if it sounds like we're super familiar with each other, it's it's probably because we are. Yeah, yeah, what, what, what did we talk for a good hour or so? Easily. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't include what we were talking about before and after the podcast, right? Right. So, yeah, we talked a good while. Uh, we're a little bummed that that show didn't make it out, but I think that we'll capture a lot of the same stuff, if not even more, this time around. Yeah, it sounds good. So, Jason, let's start with your Geek Week, buddy. How was how was it? Oh, man, good stuff. Uh, so, I finished Devs, finally. Oh, did you? Yes. Uh, and that, that's a show I think I told you about, and you started it, and you, you binged it over me and finished it. Yeah. Uh, so I finally got back to it and finished it. And, um, Josh, have you seen Devs? Uh, we started it. We have not finished it. Okay. Okay. okay good. So spoilers will be held back. But uh, <laughs> how wait, how many episodes have you seen? Uh, I think we're maybe three or four in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is a. Uh, I I'll tell you this. When I finished it, I probably sat there and stared at the wall for right? about an hour you know half an hour well while i was falling asleep but uh yeah so this is a devs touches a topic um a philosophical thing it's kind of a a, i don't want to give too much away he kind of discusses it in the very first episode but it's a slight discussion that it could you could slip through so it could be a spoiler so i'm not going to do it but the 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 approach to approach to the the philosophical topic that devs touches is something that I've actually, I'm not going to say struggled with, but it's something that I've thought a lot about over the years. So when I finished this, this season, this series, which is a highly technical, you know, it's set in the real world. Uh, there's advanced quantum computer mm-hmm. that they're creating this algorithm that does, you know, predictions and simulations based on past historical data accumulation. This is a very relevant to today's technology where we have, you know, there's an advent of machine learning and deep learning, neural networks, convolutional networks, all these things that are pulling in massive data sets to give computers the pathways to make decisions for themselves to do better pattern matching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this this show doesn't really focus so much on, on the deep technical solution, but it just says, hey, this is the type of solution that's being employed or the type of technology that's being employed for this problem. And, um, man, it is very relevant to today's technology. It is also an interesting point of view on, uh, you know, touching subjects of what we, you know, what kind of freedoms we actually have in our world and in our existence. But, uh, man, I sat there for probably an hour afterwards just staring at the wall thinking. (laughs) So, good. That's good for me. I love that. It's a super cerebral uh, experience. And 
I love it because, and we talked about this several podcasts back, mm-hmm. but yeah. the thing that I love about that show is that the philosophical element of it was so ingrained in the show that it didn't beat you over the face with it. It had right. to, right? Like it wasn't so overt that you're just like, oh, okay, this is getting predictable. But it made you really stop and think about it and be like, wait, what is going on? And there was really good pacing, too. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My wife, same thing as kind of what you guys were talking about a little bit earlier, where, you know, my wife kind of shares my hobby space a little bit um, doing her other things. And it's nice because then you get this, you know, you kind of get this dual purpose spousal time when just because you're in the same room. Sometimes you get credit for that. Right. But uh <laughs> She would keep looking over, and she'd look over, and, you know, there were two people having an intense dialogue. And she was like, I feel like all that's happening in that show is people are talking. I'm like, well, it's pretty dialogue heavy. Yeah. But it does do a good pace of, you know, you'll get some action sequences in there that kind of break up from the deep mental thought to where you can just kind of sit back and watch a little bit of violence unfold uh, at times. So I really enjoyed the show. I thought the writing was good. Mm-hmm. Um, the dial, Like, you know, the dialogue between the characters – there were a few times at the end where I felt like, you know, maybe, and this is, this is, this is a complete thing, right? There's, there's not really a, uh, next season or anything right, like yep. that. So it's just a, it's like a mini series almost, but there, there were really some moments there where, um, the dialogue was getting a little weak at the end, in my opinion, but, um, that's okay because as the dialogue was getting weak, they were, they were peeling back the layers so that you could see the intense philosophical side to it. So it gave you time to kind of think through things. But I really loved it. Highly recommend it. Um, It's going to make you think at the end of the day. Anyways. And leave it to your your artist guest, but I mean, they had some really interesting visuals in that show so far, too. They totally did. Oh, yeah, the giant child sticking out of the forest. Something is a little unnerving about that just from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah, and the lighting of everything too, right? I mean, when when they were walking through the trees, this is you know no spoiler here, but they had those like halo ring lights that were around the trees to help mm-hmm. light your path. That was that's kind of like a stark visual, you know. Um, and the Very way that unique. they would use it, yeah. the the way that they would use it was almost like it was an illumination in the dark. And if you notice that a lot of times those came on when Nathan was around, mm. you know, so. I thought it was kind of interesting to to see some of that go. And listen, when they're inside the cube, inside Dev itself, mm-hmm. right? Like the the golden glow that was in there, I thought was just really striking. They kept very true to like a color scheme um, that gave you like the different locations had almost their themes that were very consistent through the show. When you were out in the real yes. world, just running around in the city, it was, you know, standard kind of city lighting and everything. But when you were in that cube, there was always this golden overtone to everything. And when you were in that forest, there was yeah. always that, you know, LED illumination uh, with a dark, uh, the, the darkness surrounding yeah. it. it. They did a really good job with that show. It was a cool contrast, too. Like when you were inside the building of the, this IT company, it was, it was almost white, right? The building was white and it was very open. Like it had glass. a very Silicon Valley feel to yeah, it. Yeah, very Silicon Valley. So it was white, open floor plan, transparency is kind of the theme of that, right? And then you get to devs and everything was dark. Yep. Which is also which is also kind of Silicon Valley if you think about like programmers who work overnight 
and that kind of thing, you know? I mean, you had this dark side yeah, to it. That's not just Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Spent many a 2 a.m.s at the office, but yep. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, Josh, great point. Like, the visuals in it, I think, also sold the story very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at, in finished devs, uh, the other thing is uh, also um, I watched The Old Guard, which is a Netflix um, uh, movie based on graphic novel or graphic series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to say this one's probably passable, honestly. You could probably pass it up. Yeah. Um, did you see it, Josh? No, uh, but was on, on the list of possibles. So interesting that you said. Uh, that if you you're interested pass. in just like, you know, you know, let's just have kind of a, a night of uh, maybe some uh, violence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then sure. But um, it's and it's not even like there, there are plenty. The choreography is like it's good. But um, I wouldn't say it's nothing like memorable, and the dialogue is is not. Good. It's like mm. it's forgettable. <laughs> it's <Nice>. forgettable. <laughs> but the concept um, concept is I wouldn't say it's super unique, but um, it, it wasn't a bad story. It was like it was one of those nights where it was like I don't want to spend you know the standard forty five minutes browsing Netflix. I just want to watch something, so I just pick something yeah. quick and watch, turned it on. But anyways, and then, of course, getting the house ready for GuildCon, which yep. is this week. So been building wooden frames and putting tape tapestries on them and uh, setting them up in, in the dungeon and stuff. So it should be fun. So, so Josh, just to give you a little bit of background of why he said that, um, he's got a basement that is humongous. And we're going to have three uh, gaming tables going all at once. Nice. And, you know, these are your standard 6x4. In fact, one of them is going to be bigger because it's a bigger set of tables. Um, but uh, it, he's got this room in his basement that's unfinished. So yeah. it's like a bunch of studs and some, you know, insulation and stuff like that. Sure. Cement floor with, like, a loose loose rug in there. Typical unfinished, you know, room. It's got, like, workout gear and stuff. So he has built these wooden frames and he ordered these, what were they, like $15? Yeah, it's like, like tapestries. tapestries, yeah. Yeah, they're tapestries, so it's like brick siding, and then one's like a, a dude fighting a dragon. Yeah. Okay, okay. And, and they put them up as basically like side curtains to nice. kind of make the ambiance right. So we, yeah, I mean, we're calling it the dungeon already because, you know, it had no windows and, you know, workout gear, which could be also doubled as, you know, torture gear. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And this is the spreader. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we call that the ab machine. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're looking forward to it. That starts Wednesday morning for us. So yeah, it should be fun. Very nice. Yeah, the countdown is on for sure. Something for to sure. look forward to. Yeah, that's it for me. Josh, how was your geek week? Uh, good. I mean, you know, uh, m- most of my uh, geek-based stuff revolve- revolves around the hobby, like you know, hobbying and. Uh, so I was able to finish up a, another paint project actually that uh, uh, this week. Um, was this got, the, the pirate? Yeah, 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 exactly. Dude, it looks amazing. Thank you. The the freebooter orc. Um, it's I think his name is Captain Badruck, um, and uh, a guy out from the UK actually sent me that mini. It was the metal version. It's like an older, an older miniature. Um, mm-hmm that they've sort of discontinued making the the metal versions and and games workshop uh unfortunately i think puts it out in that 
resin, the fine cast resin now, oh, and that's which, pretty which rough. is painting on hard mode with yeah. that resin. Yeah, yeah. Um, but luckily, this the metal mini was like in good shape, and um, it was one of those minis that I always wanted to to have tried. Um, uh, I, I've weirdly enough not seen other versions that I really liked, so it was a hmm. real challenge to um, kind of come up with something that felt like kind of my own. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I was able to to kind of pull it all together this week, which was nice. How tall is that mini? Um, I, you know, like the, the actual mini itself is, is maybe like two inches, you know, it's, it's not, it's not big. It's wow. And then the, I, I had sort of added him to a little bit of a larger base and, uh, uh, you know, flags and all that on it and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, it's, it's your, it's like the standard 28 millimeter scale. So, yeah. Yeah. There's so much detail going on in that scale. Yes. Yes, that that miniature is just loaded with with details, and mm-hmm. uh, that was the tough part. Is it was just trying to like resolve everything at you know, and make them distinct. You know, dude, I'm looking at this picture right now, and, and for our listeners, if you if you go to Quarter Paint on Instagram, um, you, you can see this miniature, dude. I'm seeing you know non-metallic metal going on, OSL <laughs> happening. I've got some rust effects on the metal, of course. The face and you know is absolutely brilliantly done, and you've got like you know the lenses, um, you you've got grime on the flag, you know up there, the there's texture in the wood that you've been able to put on there, like it just looks so good. Thanks, man. How yeah. did you do that texture on that wood? That looks amazing. Uh, you know, it, part of it, part of the 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 base the, is actually wood so that oh. helps oh cool <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that uh, i actually took uh i have like almost like a bag full of like almost like popsicle stick material that i was able to kind of like break and carve up into cool. planks um that it already comes with a little bit of texture on it but then a mixture of like some some dry brushing and and just sort of adding some little like lines and marks and stuff like that kind of pumps up the texture it's so good. I love the little bad moon that you got in there. Yeah, um, that that mini's yeah. full of little little like tiny little details, which is fun. Like that was the aim is like to like have people kind of find new things in there. I want to so, play with it. I know, right? How many how many of those little details came with the mini and how many of that did you kit batch onto it? Oh, that that one as is as is actually. Oh, which really? is kind of wow. crazy. Yeah, it's like that they don't make minis kind of like that anymore. That's why I always wanted to give that one a shot because uh um it just kind of one of those older ones that games workshop like it just had had a lot of flavor to it um Mm. so that one was just just as is i I actually didn't uh other than the base yeah very cool yeah oh the flag and everything came with it too no that one that i made yeah oh wow yeah do you make that out of like green stuff and all that the flags were actually so do you guys uh, know like the the blister packs that miniatures used to come in, like the thin plastic mm-hmm. packaging, yeah. Yeah. that that clear packaging. So, same material, that same exact material, uh, sort of cut out the flag shapes out of that, and then if you warm it up, so like either you use a heat gun or mm-hmm. like uh, oh, that's you, cool. You use like a hair dryer or something like that. You can warp it into like the the ripple shapes. I've seen people use some of those blister packs for like ice. 
on yeah. bases. Yep. And it looks really good. Yeah, exactly. Doing like icicles and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and and just like like if you were doing like um, like they're standing on like a frozen lake. Yes. You know, and so they'll they'll paint like the deep blues underneath, and then they'll kind of like stipple and dry brush like the kind of whites on top, so it looks like it's like a deep lake frozen over. Um, looks really good. So that's really cool use of the blister pack material stuff. Oh yeah, trying to always trying to try something new. I, I hadn't done that with the flags before, but I mean, I'm I'm always kind of look, looking for kind of new interesting techniques. Yeah, that's awesome. That's but awesome. Yeah, that was, We're gonna that, let you finish your geek week because I'm just gonna ask you about all your minis that I'm on. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> all right. That sounds good. Yeah, but I'll I'll call it that. I mean, that that was really the the highlight of the, of the geek week for myself. So, cool. how about you, Justin? Awesome. I um, finished my Untamed Beast Warcry um, Warband this nice. week. So I'm, I've got a, I have to highlight a rune to make it look like it's glowing on one of the beasts. And that'll be it. Throw some enamel on them and take some pictures of them tonight. So that's the goal um, with those guys. And then, um, yeah, I've got just a bunch of like printout prep that I that I'm doing for the um, the guild con that's coming up. So I gotta you know print mm-hmm. out some handouts and um, I realize that we have we're playing an eight player narrative warband or uh, warcry event um, that I wrote up. I realize Jason, we only have two boards, so I need to go um, make some photocopies of two other boards. Well, so. we've got uh, lots of. I've got an extra mat. We've got lots of terrain we can throw down. It just yeah. may not be the exact. It's about terrain. the size of it too, though. That's the that's the tricky thing because they have to come in off the edge. So it's we fine. Make it work. I'm we gonna make it work. I'm gonna I'm gonna get some photocopies and and we'll just like put some paper stuff down and. But you know, it's it's paper a bunch craft. of that sort of yeah, yeah. papercraft. It's a it's a bunch of that kind of you know admin sort of stuff getting ready. I'm gonna be running. <laughs> To, what, what am I running? I'm running two RPGs, a narrative event. I'm going to be doing a demo, Age of Sigmar game. Yeah, an AOS wow. demo. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and you were looking at me. You were like, come on, Jay. you got to get that Nobbler painted. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> Just paint the Nobbler already. I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a, Jason's got an ogre army. Uh, for the or ogre warband for nice. this yeah. uh, Warcry thing, and and he's got one nobbler that's like primed. It just needs to be painted. Yeah, so. it's not even prime. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic. Uh, so anyway, that's that's, that's really kind of been my geek week. Um, oh, I will say this though. This is a little bit of a throwback. We're talking about next Netflix shows. A couple weeks ago, when we were sort of recording other weird um, things, people were in and out. I did finish the Warrior Nun series oh, on Netflix. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Didn't see that one. Oh, I love the concept of this. There's there's some really cool things about it, but then it's just like it's overshadowed by just weak character development and some really cheesy dialogue. You know. Um, How could I told you that? Just looking at the. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> It, um, I think it's it's wanting to set itself up as the next Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. And I don't know. The, the thing about Buffy is the same thing that, that's with, like, Supernatural, right? Which is there's a sort of campiness about it mm-hmm. that is endearing. Um, and it doesn't take itself too, too seriously. Like, it takes itself yeah. seriously, but not too, too seriously, you know? And the fans love it. Fans love that kind of stuff. 
this show took itself, I think, too seriously, even though it was sort of campy. And so I think that's where its fault sort of was. So you think of like, but you compared it to, you know, uh, Buffy, and you compared it to uh, uh, what was it, Supernatural? Yeah. Those shows also had really good chemistry between all of the cast members. They did. So does that exist in this? No. <laughs> it really okay. doesn't. Like, there's sometimes you're scratching your head. You're like, why are these people even like? <laughs> doing this you know well, and, and like the main yeah, character is supposed to be compelling but she's just really not that compelling and and i will say this too they're leading up to this moment and you're like sweet this is going to be the action moment it's like right at the very end of the series and it cuts off on the worst cliffhanger i have ever seen in my life like you're like really that's where you're going to end the show because they wanted to do you know setting it up for season two I'm like, that was literally the dumbest directorial mistake I've ever seen in my life. Like, it, it, made me, it, put, it literally put a bad taste in my mouth to watch it. But, you know, my wife and I, we do watch a show together occasionally. One of the ones we watch is The Rookie with Nathan Fillion. Oh, okay. And okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a cop show, you know. We really enjoyed the show, but I tell you what, the end of this last series, or season, was the same way. It was mm-hmm. this, you had this final episode where Nathan Fillion's character was totally out of character the for this episode like it just did not match his character for the entire rest of the series up to this point and then it ends on a cliffhanger where he's like he's now like in trouble and on the run and you're like this like what show am i watching yeah you know and it's just it's when they, when they try to do that kind of crap it's just like it makes me want to like i'm just done with this show i think they call that in the business jumping the shark <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Warrior Nun jumped the shark. Oh yeah! In the first season, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. This is one of those things that I was watching while painting, and I wasn't sad about it. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm busy doing something. If it's going on in sort of the background, like I don't feel like I'm missing anything really. Right. right. Um, yeah. It was one of those shows. Another one, and and I hate to say this, another one that I've been watching right now while painting was is the show Cursed on Netflix. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And everyone's lauding this as like, or they were setting it up to be the next Game of Thrones. I'm sorry. If George R.R. R. Martin is not writing your script, it is not the next Game of Thrones. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> you know? Because there's been a lot of shows that people are trying to say, it's the next Game of Thrones. People are totally going to get into it. And um, you watch this, and did you guys ever see The Sword of Shannara, the TV show, the show that they had? Uh, I don't think so. There's the there's the books of it, obviously, like a ton of books, right? Um, but MTV decided to get into the fantasy game and make the Sword of Shannara series, mm. and it was plagued by super soapy, you know, acting and just kind of over the top dialogue and situations mixed with some kind of cheesy CGI. You know, and I think that this show, Curse, suffers from some of that same stuff too. Hmm. So, unfortunate. yeah, it is unfortunate because it's like, you know, you get a show. Uh, Josh, did you see Game of Thrones? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jason was not a Game of Thrones watcher, but that's okay. Um, but uh, anyway, with Game of Thrones, the thing that sold that is it was a political drama set in a fantasy setting. Sure. You know, exactly. it wasn't. it wasn't about the dragons. The dragons just added elements to the political drama you know and so it was about the acting it was about the relationships it was about the dialogue it was about the houses it was all that instead of about you know the magic and 
uh, you know, the the fantasy aspect of it. And I think that that's where a lot of these showrunners sort of trip themselves up, thinking this is going to be the next Game of Thrones. Not realizing that the thing that was successful about that was that it was a drama set in, in a fantasy setting, not a fantasy drama. Hmm. In right. a sense. Right. So. You know, I struggle with... Um, I struggle with a lot of these shows because I, my wife likes reading, uh, what do they call them? Like the, 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 what's it? There's a word for it. Like the teen fiction stuff. Yeah. YSA. Okay. Stuff. Uh, so does my wife, or, by the way. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. Uh, but I look at cursed and when I saw the previous curse is like, this looks like it's a teenage fantasy drama show. It feels like it. And I'm like, I'm not interested in a teenage, another teenage fantasy drama show. It's like, it's just, I just struggle with like shows that like the entire like main cast is all teenagers. I just struggle with it because I feel like, I feel like they can get off the loose end and make the teenagers have way too more maturity in dealing with these like super dramatic events in their lives. (laughs) And you should know you have. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You have, you have teenagers. So you know, you're like, this is, this would never happen with a 15 year old. (laughs) Well, in the fifth, and I guess the problem is, is the point of view from the 15 year old's mind. It's like, they're taking on the world. Like if it wasn't for them, right, the world would not make one more revolution around, you know, but it's just, I don't know. I struggle with it. I think maybe it's just, I'm done with teenagers by the end of the day when I'm ready to watch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. That's probably it. I think I just nailed it. All right. There you go. Meanwhile, your wife is really reading that YSA stuff so she can get insight into your teenagers' minds. That's what it is. She's the better one. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, that's my geek week. Um, it's just been a lot of painting and a lot of prep. So um, we'll ha- I'll have a better readout from GuildCon after, after we do this. So Very nice. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get into our main stuff. We're going to skip some of the news for this week. Um, we want to get right into it with you, Josh. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself, uh, where we can find you, what you do, and we'll sort of like walk back on where you got started and all that stuff. Sure, sure. Um, so uh, I'm found as Quarter Paint both on Instagram and YouTube. Um, I've been back in like the tabletop wargaming hobby for I want to say maybe like three three and a half years now um I started young you know I was I was like 12 13 uh you know uh early 90s was uh really into uh tabletop gaming and and role play game you know just role playing in general and um uh you know uh, I was uh one of those people that it sort of faded as a, as a friend group faded. And then I was able to kind of rediscover the hobby as an adult. Um, and, um, I have, uh, kind of started with grand dreams of, of building like a Warhammer armies and kill teams. And slowly as the years have, have, have kind of gone on, I, I haven't gotten to play as much as I'd like to. And, um, uh, it has really the focus has come in on the the hobby and like the artistic side of the painting the minis, and and that's really been kind of the, the main focus I want to say for like the last year or so. So it's it's interesting that you say like you know grand dreams of armies. I'm sitting here looking at my night hunt army that I painted right with like something like 200 plus models, um, and I've got an orc army sitting here in front of me with you know 60 plus models or you know wow. a lighter model army. Yeah. Um, that 
those those all need to be finished painted and stuff like that and i was literally thinking just like this morning even just this morning thinking man i kind of want to get out of the army painting game <laughs> you know because the problem is is it's so many models over and over and over and over again in that same scheme and you start to get into the work of it and less of the art of it yes you know, and that can suck the life out of your creativity, I feel like. It is tough. I mean, I, so I, I, my original intent was like I was going to build a, I was, I'm, I was a 40K player, so a Warhammer yeah. 40K player. So I was putting together an orc army for Warhammer 40,000. And um, that requires a tremendous amount of models. and A lot um, of models. And I decided I was going to not only do that, but do it at like a, a super high standard, too. Yeah. And so I, uh, you know, uh, I tried to use a lot of strategies where I was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to paint in batches, you know, five or ten. I'm going to I'm going to reward myself after completing those with like a, a character model. You know, I, I yeah. used a lot of strategies to try to get through the army, but I. I really hit a, a wall. Like I, I did burn out from the the army painting, um, and for someone like that likes variety and getting creative and stuff like that, it just was. It, it gets tiring. It gets yeah. a little monotonous. Yeah, and doing a kill team like you know where you've got seven models and they're all sort of somewhat unique in a sense. You know, especially yes. like if you look at the rogue trader kill team. Yes. Like each of those are super unique. I could easily see really getting into painting a kill team squad yes or well you guys like are that. doing the war cry war bands yep. right so mm -hmm. those are just like the same size that i think that's perfectly manageable and like you know like you said each one has their own character it's not like you're just painting almost like the same exact mini over and over and over yeah so um yeah i if if i were ever to do like a like tabletop specific project again it would totally be in like the realm of a kill team or a, or, or war cry you know a band like that or something like that yeah i have um and jason will attest i had grand visions of this orc army of doing like you know non-metallic metal on all of them and oh wow yeah, I, I've quickly switched to just, okay, that's it. We're using metallic paint. Where's the metallic paint? Yep. <laughs> you know, because I'm just like, I can't do 45 Ard Boys all non-metallic metal when it takes me. I, and I was getting I was getting decently good with trying to do the, um, you know, non-metallic, like almost a brushed metal yep. shoulder pad. And yep. um, it was from Cujo, actually. Nice. Like his tutorial. And he was really cool because I like sent him some pictures. And I'm like, dude, what am I doing wrong? And he's like, you, you got to fix this. Like your, your brush strokes are too thick and, you know, your highlights are too big and all that stuff. So it was really good. So I was getting pretty good with them. And I got one done where I'm like, wow, yeah, I really like that. And I'm like, I just spent four hours on that. Yes. Just yep. those yep. shoulder pads. And I'm like, yep. four hours times 45 models. Yep. I'm like, I'm yep. never finishing this army. <laughs> yeah. If I kept pace on and how I was doing with the army, it, it would have been years of painting for, yeah. for it. So. I hear you. But, I mean, that's the... I don't envy the guys that, that do, like, the full-time commission painting and that they're, they're army painters. Like, I, yeah. I don't know how they do it, but... I think that they've... I mean, a lot of those people, they have gotten down to using airbrush, like, so well... Yes. ...that they can um, almost do some of the fine details with an airbrush and knock it out super fast. 
Yeah, you know? they're work they're working smart, right, yeah. with their their creative side of things. So, I'm sure they're very organized and and have a very specific, you know, ha- uh, plan of attack on how they're going to accomplish something both, you know, visually pleasing but but rapidly at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I tell you what what kind of burned me on an army painting and I think I've said this before on the podcast is I when we went to LVO I was like I'm doing a full army nice. like I'm going to do it so I did like I got the entire flesh eater courts uh, army painted all the umpteen ghouls and flayers and horrors and terror, two terror geists and even kit bashed the terror geists a little bit nice. and I had a cool display board and I, I sat back and I said man I accomplished something look at that yes. and then we went to LVO and I said, I'm going to, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up to be paint judged. And I put it up to be paint judged. And the dude came by, and you were there, Justin. You were sitting yeah. across from the table. Dude came by, and he went, and rather than picking up one of the, like, flayers who I worked so hard on the tendons, you know, and the wings and everything, he picked up a tiny little ghoul. And he said, well, you decided not to paint the guy's eyes, huh? Ooh. And I was like, uh, yeah, why don't you look at this one? He's like, well, no, we just kind of pick a random model. I was like, so you picked one of the hundred models that are there versus the, you know, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. And he put it down, and I was like, all right, I don't know if I can ever paint this many models again for one That's army. pretty rough. I didn't know that's how they did the judging. Yeah, I think, I think, I think judging he was a little being hard on me, honestly. Okay. He might have okay. been. He might have been. And, and to be fair, I asked about the painting judging there at, um, at LVO specifically. Um, the guy who did it was not like an expert judge or anything. They're just like, well, we need somebody to judge it, so why don't you go do it? Yeah, you know. Okay. And, um, maybe that's um, what happened then. Yeah. So I. But the thing is, is that LVO. It. I mean, they'll have the TOs do the initial judging. You know, which gives you sort of your base score. So they'll come by and they'll say, okay, do you have, you know, is it is it you know do you have the three colors? Do you have like solid yeah. bases? Mm-hmm. Is it standard army? Like, does it have a consistent theme? Do you have a display board? And so you'll kind of go through all the basics, and then if you say, I want to be into the painting competition, they'll look for some higher things, right? So, like, do you have weathering? Do you have yeah. anything like freehand? Do you have, you know, good details picked out? Um, you know, anything like that. So they'll kind of give you a score on that, and if you make a cut, then they'll put you in, like, the top 10 or top 20 or something like that. And then that's when they'll have an LVO. Um, for a couple of years, they had Vince Venturella come and do the final judging of the armies. Nice. So him judging, I'm like, yes. I totally am on board with it. But at LVO, it was just kind of like, ah, oh, this guy, and you know, he like Jason said, he sort of picked it up and looked at the eyes and like, oh, well, you're missing that, so you don't got that, you know. And and you know that is how it is sometimes. But um, I've realized that like. Um, I mean, the thing is, is painting scores are an important part of the tournaments, the big tournaments, because they do affect your overall score. So, but I've learned, like, just get them, get them, get the maximum amount of points for it to affect your score, and maybe don't worry about... Don't worry about the the extras, yeah. Going for, like, the best overall painted one, because the thing is, is I've learned that there's guys there that will just blow you out of the water with it, unless I'm Uh spending way more time on this. Oh, yeah, you look at the, uh, you look at the tables and you think, does that, how did he make that model pose like that? And you realize, oh, I'm not in in, in this class at all. (laughs) Because that model yeah. doesn't come like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
there's yeah. I mean there's some intense guys and I'm sure some of them actually probably pay people to do it too so you know it's, yeah I think that that's a bigger thing in 40k um, yeah. where they buy painted armies mm. Um, mm. in Age of Sigmar um, there are some people who buy painted armies but I think the community is small enough that everybody just kind of does their own thing and yep. you know there's yeah. a guy named I don't know if you're familiar with him Josh his name is Oscar Lars Yes, yes. So he lives hard. not far from us. He lives just down in Richmond. Oh, very nice. And um, he uh, he has a tournament every month that he actually plays in. So he's not only a painter, but he is a gamer as well. And um, he'll come to these L- tournaments like LVO, and you're just looking at his army, and you're like, well, I don't know why I showed yeah. up for the painting competition. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? And his whole army looks amazing. Yeah, he's the, the non-metal metallic... Uh, um, yeah, the NMM. Yeah, like he 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 just. I think he just had a feature in White Dwarf too, right? Oh, oh I think cool. so. Yeah. Uh, so he yeah he's doing well for himself. Yeah, and I mean he, this he's one of those guys that has perfected his non-metallic metal so well that he could paint a set of shoulder pads in like thirty minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if that, maybe even like 10 minutes, because he just knows exactly like, this is the size of the highlight. This is the colors I'm using. This is what I'm doing. Meanwhile, I'm like, is this even the right shade? How's my yeah. paint <laughs> consistency? You know, <laughs> like, how come I can't get a tip on my brush very well? <laughs> yeah. He's also playing those Stormcast Eternal, and they are kind of like the ideal models for yeah. that kind of effect, too. Yep. So yeah, yeah, exactly. He did an orc army um, that looked absolutely amazing. And uh, won, like, um, what did he win? He won a big award at Nova Open a couple years back for it. So He, he paints them up cool. and sells them for That's a good cool. amount. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a really good really good painter. Yeah. i tell you, at the end, just a, in that story there, right, so I finished Flesh Eater Courts, got through the year with that, and then I said, all right, I'm, I'm done with Horde Armies, and so now I've moved on to Ogre. So I've got, like, what do I have, a total of, like, 12 models on the table, it feels like. <laughs> Nice, but but I can paint that. It's manageable. Yes, so I can focus on each individual one. Aren't they coming out with the giants for Age yes. of Sigmar yeah. now? The, the you can just focus on one big model. You know? Yeah. yeah. So what it, happened with that actually? So I think the delay got, or the release got delayed a little bit. Nobody's hundred percent sure. It's still planned to come out. I mean, they've been talking about it in their update. They did it. They did a spoiler and showed the models. Yeah. So they so just haven't come out it's yet. It's essentially going to be like your four Titan list yeah. in 40K. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, you're going to have four giant models that are going to be amazingly difficult to kill. A lot of skin blending. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but I wonder how hard that would really be, like, on a model that big. I feel like it's harder on a 28 millimeter model. Yeah. I mean, like, I've, I've actually started, like, dabbling into, like, larger scale stuff, like some busts and stuff like that. And, I mean you just have a lot more room to work and, and, and get creative. I mean, obviously a lot of the same skills translate, mm, but, yeah. uh, you know, and sure, if you got big flat surfaces, like, you know, uh, imperfections or, or like mistakes or something like that are going to be a lot more noticeable uh, at that scale. But, um, you know, just having that room, it, I feel like it translates a lot closer to like more traditional art, you know, like where you have a blank piece of paper, you got a lot of room to work. You know, like is the the, the hmm. is the mini scale up? It gets a little bit easier. Like you don't have to be as refined, per se. 
That's right. A, that's an interesting point. Maybe you're relying less on the detail of the model and more on you know what the paint can put on the model. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking I, at the glowing At least uh, for me, I find gems. it a little bit freeing, you know, to that space. I'm looking at your glowing gems you put on that bust of that uh, orc that you yes. did. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that was great. that was actually uh, my first foray into... I sculpted that, too, so... Oh, wow. That, that was just like a scratch project. Um, there were a couple of guys that I had seen started to dabble with... Um, kind of sculpting their own busts and i mean of course there are like super creative artists out there that are already producing those for sale but i was like let me try my hand at that um because sculpting is not something that i comes as naturally as paint work for me so kind of my thought process is the only way to to get better at it is to to try right to practice a little bit so that guy was a, a fun project and then you know, was able to bring it to life a little bit with the paint. So let me let me ask you this. Uh, I mean, sure. you talked about you know sort of getting into the hobby when you were young, and it was more focused on gaming, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, and then as you got into it older, your group of gaming friends, it was kind of difficult. And I, last time we recorded, you said that you know your hobby store was like about an hour away. Yeah. Yeah, I, there were there were a group of guys out here in Long Island that were like nice enough to to in, invite me to come out and like play with them, which was awesome, and I, I've done it a couple of times. But it's a hike to reach them, to be honest, and especially with COVID, like it's not like I, we mm-hmm. we were seeing anyone recently. But um, yeah, the the opportunity to actually like get minis on a table and start rolling some dice is far and few between yeah. these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so when you got back into the hobby. Um, you kind of gravitated back into the art stuff. Listen, you said you got back in like three years ago. How, how, how did you get so amazingly good in three years? Because I've been doing this for two years and I am not near your level. Well, I, I mean, I, I went, I went hard. I mean, like I, I honestly, just about every single night, uh, if I'm not out of state or something like that, uh, I'm putting some paint on a mini for sure. So just for consistency's sake, like I'm, I'm always uh, lucky enough to have the opportunity to to paint a lot, but um, I think I'm, you know, I, I think I followed in the same path as a lot of people that that I've heard. It's like you know, uh, thankfully there's like a plethora of information out there on the web. You know, like the the number of like videos and other painters putting out information and just sources of inspiration you know uh, last time we recorded we talked a lot about like how instagram the painting community there is just filled with super talented people so i i just started trying to to soak up as much information and and kind of put it into practice uh, as as fast as possible um and i'm lucky to have a very supportive wife who, you know, she likes to, you know, that I'm, I'm doing something creative and, and, and have, have something like that uh, going for me. So um, I, you know, I think I just kept pushing and, and pushing uh, on my own skill. And, um, you know, I, I'll be the first to tell you, I think I have a ton to learn still. And I, I you know, I appreciate all the compliments, but I, I truly think that uh, I am still climbing up a mountain compared to some of the guys that uh, are producing work, you know, overseas and stuff of like that, for sure. Yeah. 
Oh, go ahead, Jason. I was just going to ask, as a sidebar, you know, you say you have a supportive wife, and I think it's very important to have that support at home. Uh, when I first started getting into this stuff a year ago or two years ago, whatever it was, um, my wife, I'd spring, I'd, I would assemble a model, as in, like, cut it off the sprue, glue it together, and then take it to my wife. I'm like, look at this model. It's so cool. Like, and she'd be like, yeah, that is cool. Uh, is that made of plastic? Yeah. It's just, how much did that cost? I'm like, uh, you don't, you don't want to know how much this costs. She's like, it's just plastic. It's like, it's more than plastic. Then I run out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> it's very fancy plastic. <laughs> right. So it's really great you have a supportive wife. Um, what uh, what do you do? Like, is this your full time job? What do you do normally? Oh no, I'm I'm actually in like a totally unrelated field. I'm I'm in the social work field. I actually uh, run a part of a, a nonprofit organization here on 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 Long Island. So oh, very cool. We, yeah, we uh, actually a housing program across a couple of counties that we people that that need homes. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but this is my, it's a very high stress job, to be honest, you yeah. know, like there, you, I got like a lot of lives in my hands mm-hmm. in that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I definitely need some sort of outlet in the evenings for myself to kind of come down and, and kind of wind down. And, and this was, that was the original intent of coming back to the hobby. It was having something, you know, like that to, to channel some of that stress into. Well, that's great, man, that this works for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know it's it's interesting you say that because I I kind of got into this um, I kind of got into this uh, a couple years ago. We were running an RPG, and I was using a battle mat, and I wanted some minis to represent like you know where the people were moving and all that stuff. Sure. And someone suggested, "Hey, you should go to games or GW," and I'm like, "What's GW?" Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea what it was, even, you know? And all of a sudden, I pull up Games Workshop, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this thing? <laughs> and I walked into the store and came out with a box of Chaos uh, Warriors, you know, which nice. are great models, by the way. Like, they're like one of their older ones, but yes. they're still awesome models. And um, walked out with a box of those and started painting them. And um, the my initial thing was, I'm really terrible at this, but... I feel so calmed down when I can focus on this and listen to some music or a podcast or have a something going on in the background or even if there's nothing going on, just the just the act of losing myself in painting in one of these things has de-stressed my life so much um, that I don't think that I'll ever stop doing this. And and Jason will tell you I um, have a lot of good ideas that burn themselves through like you know we'll <laughs> yeah. go really hard on it and then drop it and then move on to the next one um painting hasn't been one of those this is one of my longer hobbies that i've had yeah this is a dude who actually started his own chocolate company by the way i wow. did okay okay yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he's he's really getting into this man it may have mean something <laughs> that's it i mean it i think that's testament to the, to the hobby though i and i totally agree with you it's like i think it for at least for in my own experience it requires me to kind of put all of my focus into it, you know, like, it, uh, and it kind of doesn't leave room for, for stressing about other stuff or the head going elsewhere. I can just be very, you know, it sounds a little frou-frou, but very in the moment, very present, very mindful kind of thing, you know? Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I love it for that reason too, you know, that yeah. it's not just a creative outlet that like it, it has that opportunity to just sort of, like be that that time away from you know maybe the responsible stuff for a few minutes 
Mm. And I, I'm a firm believer, too, that we as human beings, and so I'm going to get a little metaphysical here, but uh, we as human beings are innate creatures of creativity. Like, mm. we need to create something. And, and that could be many things. Like, some people will start businesses. Some people will invest themselves in coaching, you know, like to build a, a, a good team. Some people will invest themselves in art or music or, you know, um, reading or something like that. Like, where we are trying to, you know, um, maybe not be so focused on bettering ourselves, but creating something that isn't just stagnant, you know? And um, I think that whenever we can find a good creative outlet for ourselves is where we find happiness. I would totally agree with you. And I think the thing that gets in the way most of the time is people are just afraid of taking that chance yeah. to, to, to create something. So, you know, and I, I give you guys credit, like you're, you know, you're making a podcast, like not a lot of people would have the guts to just like go out and like put something together and put it out for the world. So like, I hear you, you know, that like, I, I think that there are a lot of opportunities to, to just make something. And this is a cool or like really accessible hobby in that sense, you know, that like there's, um, communities around it that can support people and like give you guidance and direction and there it's it's got layers right you know like we were talking about that you can you can just you know paint a couple of minis for for the tabletop and and be feel really good about it or you can take a deep dive into it into you know like all the different techniques and and competition painting and or competition gaming you know so um i think there's a lot of opportunity here for for creating too and that's kind of why i i I like it so much yeah creating on different levels which is you know i think ties back to where you're saying that like you know from from your perspective you feel like you are not even close to some of the giants in the industry right in the in the community right um but i look at you and i'm like dude your stuff is so good you know and and you know just me finishing my uh war band and doing some different techniques on there. Like I did some um, dark ebony skin. Yes. And that's the first time I've really done that. And I'm so happy with how it came out. Now, it probably isn't competition worthy, but it's not just, you know, I painted some Rhinox hide and put some, uh, put some you know, sepia tone over it or something like that. And I was like, okay, this is good. I mean, it is a little bit more than that. And I, I'm happy with where it came out. And so you can enjoy this hobby on many different levels as you were kind of saying before yeah yeah and i mean it's uh, it's very individual like right it's your own personal growth so like you know that uh, it's that's a slippery slope like playing the comparison game like you don't want Mm -hmm. to sit there and like compare yourself to other people and i know it's it's tough when everything's like out there right in front of you like social media or you guys were just talking about like that big event where like everyone is like purposefully putting themselves out there but at the same time, like what really motivated me to get better at painting was seeing my own growth. Like, and that's actually what inspired starting like the, the Instagram page is actually just sort of for an opportunity to kind of reflect or to look back on, on my own journey. And so uh, I find that very motivating when I, I see my own growth and, and I know that in other aspects of your life, right. That's kind of hard to, to see like and i feel like for mini painting at least for myself that has been like a really tangible thing like i've i've been able to look back from like a year ago and seen some of my improvements seen what i've gotten better at um and 
but still appreciate where I was at that time right. too. You know, that's very that's very. Um, well, there's a lot of wisdom in that. In in you know your motivations being watching yourself get better at something, uh, yeah, and not comparing yourself to other people. So I asked this question the last time that we did it, and I and I loved your response to it, and I think that we should kind of get into it again. Um, I we talked about Instagram, and and maybe that can be sort of the kickoff to the subject. Instagram for me is kind of a drug in itself. You know, I mean, it's not terribly like a drug, but I um, have my own Instagram account that is solely dedicated to the hobby. And so I don't add any of my friends that post political stuff. I don't add any of my family that's posting weird pictures of themselves. It's only (laughs) it's only miniatures. And so when somebody follows me and I look at their profile and I see a bunch of mini paint, you know, um, uh, uh, mini models on there and it's not 75% food, I'm following them back because I just want more of that creativity in my life. And, and you can just scroll through and just see so many amazing things in there. Um, one of the things that um, we talked about before was, you know, I told you 95% of the time I'm looking at these um, this, the works that these people are doing and, I, and I'm inspired by them. I'm like, wow. How did they do that metallic there? How did they shade that? How did they how did they pull out that contrast, right? Because that's where right, I'm struggling right. the most. How can I be inspired by that? And I and I look and I study and I analyze and I see people throw up little tutorials and I, I eat those up, you know, and I, and I'm looking at it. But then there's like five percent of the time where I'm scrolling through it and I'm like, I suck. I'm terrible. I'm never going to be good at this thing. Why do I even keep going? <laughs> I'm going to throw all my paints away and walk away from this thing forever, right? Um, does this ever happen to you? Because I, I feel like I'm probably not the only one. And how do you kind of deal with it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, uh, so yes, in, in in its own way, you know, like when I am struggling with something, I, everything is in question, you know, that um, so, you know, uh, I think that's true of probably any creative pursuit that people are are their own worst critic, you know, and that can be uh, really tough on themselves. And then especially for myself, like if I'm trying something new or attempting something difficult and it's not going well, yeah. um, that's, when, <laughs> that's when all the, the, the negativity and the, the, the thoughts really start to creep in. Be like, uh, do I know anything? <laughs> do, do I, uh, you know, am, am I any good at this? I mean, you can you I, even base coat, bro? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, you know, I think my wife can actually tell, you know, like what kind of night, you know, like I, paint night I'm having, yeah. you know, when we kind of maybe like reconvene in the evening, we're going to sit down and watch a show or something like that. You know, like if I, if I were having a hard time, she, she knows. Cause like I'm, there's a lot of like, there, there's a lot of struggle that goes into it. But, um, uh, you know, though at the same time, the majority of the time, I really do try to take uh, what I see from the community as something like more uplifting. Because mm-hmm. the fact is that all of those people that are doing what they're doing started somewhere, right? Yeah. You know, that, and yes, some have, you know, like 20 years under their belt uh or or more some don't and and may have some of that natural talent but at the same time like that uh they too are probably experiencing similar things you know like that 
And that's the neat part is that community. I've been able to connect with a lot of those guys and, and talk with some of them. Yeah. And it truly is the truth. It's like even some of the quote unquote greats are questioning themselves all the time. They're looking for feedback. They're they're constantly striving to like find, you know, how can I do this better? You know, um, and part of that is uh, part part of that is is self doubt too. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. is you're 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 not always fully sure of yourself and and what you're doing. So, um, though there are a lot of guys, and and it's something that I try to keep in mind a lot too is really promote trying to like create like you guys were talking about without fear right you know th- yep. to to just put that so- part aside and and do your thing it doesn't matter what what you know like the outcome is or or what other people think kind of thing and that you're likely to get a much better result if you're if you're not coming from a place of, of being like afraid of how it, it, it might happen I think that's a really, um, you touched on something that just made me start thinking. So I was a political science major in college, right? And we studied Plato. Yeah. And one of the things about Plato is that, you know, he was always talking about sort of the strive for perfection and how we would never, we can never get there. We can't ever really get to perfection because the thing is, is when you describe a chair, right out there somewhere, whether it's physical or not, there's an image of a perfect chair, the perfect chair. And every time we create something towards it, it may get closer to that, but it's not because everything has little flaws, you know? And I think that that's where, you know, some of the self doubt comes from, but that's also where some of the fuel comes from too, right? Because you, you start working on something and you're like, this is getting better and that's fueling me to get further. And I know it can be better, and that strive for perfection is what pushes, I think, a lot of artists to get there, knowing that, you know what, like, there's never going to be a perfect model, or a perfect mini, or a perfect paint job. There's always going to be little flaws in there, but you can get close, you know, and and it's that strive that I think is both our worst enemy because you know that you're it's not perfect right you're all an artist is going to see all their own flaws in that in that miniature they're going to be like oh wow you know that wasn't the right shade there i could have done a little bit more contrast with that or you know um but at the same time like that that drive to become a you know perfect is what is going to push them to try it again and again and again and again that's actually why some competition painting kind of scares me a little bit because uh-huh. I, I know I could, that's a slippery slope for myself that like, you know, you're going to put your miniature up to be judged. Right. Right. You know, like, and in my mind, it's like, oh, it has to be perfect, you know? And so, I, and every mini I paint is this balance between deciding like, when am I okay or comfortable enough yep. with the mistakes or the, um, the issues with it to say I'm done, you know? And I feel like with some of the competition pieces, I'm not sure when when the cutoff point would be. Maybe, maybe it's just like I have a deadline and that would be the, the cutoff. But um, that's the part that, that seems tough for me is because technically I could take a, a miniature piece if I wanted to and just keep working it for yeah. the rest of the time, yep. you know, and trying to, to think that I could, could maybe get it, every little piece just perfect. But... I, you know, I'd go a little nuts doing that. So at a certain point, I just have to say, 
you're done. It, you're you know. done. You're close enough. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. sitting in a... I took a class from Sam Lenz at the Nova Open. Very nice. And um, Sam, he's an awesome guy. Have you had been in con- Have you contacted him or talked with him at all? No, I, I haven't gotten to actually, like, communicate with him directly. But, I mean, you know, I've seen some of his, his videos on, online, and, and I know he, he hangs out with those, like, the Miniac guys and stuff like that. So yeah, just, and, uh, just followed his work and stuff like that. He is... He is one of the nicest guys ever, um, you know. And I've jumped into some of his Twitch streams I've, um, that he does, and I've jumped into, um, you know, I've seen his videos. But I've also taken a couple classes from him, and he is just so down to earth. Love that guy to death. And um, but he was talking about, you know, working on. I think it was one of the crystal brush um, miniatures that he won with, wow. and felt like it wasn't nearly done enough. Yeah. Like, and he yeah. could have kept working it, could have kept working it, but he, he literally had to box it up and leave or else he's going to miss his plane. Yep. You know, and, yep. uh, and, you know, I think that's a kind of a testament to like how everybody sort of feels about the competition scene a little bit, um, which is you just got to do it until you can't anymore, right? Right. Well, right. And there's so many more minis that need painting. There, yes. <laughs> there are. There are indeed. So let's uh, let's continue a little bit with Instagram. You started sure. an Instagram account. Um, I think you said at the, behest, uh, at the behest of your wife, right? Yes. So she she's she was kind of like the one that, that gave me the idea, at least. Yeah. And what what has the Instagram um, account done for you? You had talked a little bit about making a lot of connections with a lot of different people, and sort of um, you know increasing, I guess, your presence or even your participation in just the miniature painting community right because i mean uh you know like we were talking about it's like i don't get that that table time you know with folks and so um amazingly i i kind of discovered that there really was a pretty like vibrant community in this sort of digital setting um and uh amazingly using social media for what it was intended for right to connect with other people instead of shouting at people you mean <laughs> yeah right so uh you know i've i've been really lucky to to find uh some people that i've i've gotten to do all sorts of collaborations with uh i've gotten to um kind of like do mini swaps i me and uh, another guy on there that i've become friends with we held some uh, competitions on there. Uh, you know, uh, just recently, I sort of opened up the, the floodgates again for, for more collaborative work for people to, I basically said, like, you know, if you want to build or, or assemble like a mini that you're really excited about and, and want it painted to the best of my ability, contact me and send it to me and I'll, I'll just do it. Because I, I was really trying to kind of push my own creative limits a little bit and it it's been great you know <laughs> how like how many minutes uh, did you get i've i'm probably right now i'm uh, like i you know people were taking it pretty seriously i i think i got at least a hundred messages okay but but uh i i think i've gotten about like 20 right now oh my um gosh. 20 minutes uh, is still a lot yeah and then i've got some folks that are doing some interesting stuff where like a lot of uh, 3D modelers and people in the, the 3D uh, printing scene yeah. that are trying to, like, I think, you know, establish themselves a little bit. And so a lot of them are kind of seeing about, like, printing their own work and sending it. So I might get some of these one-off pieces as well, which is pretty exciting. Um, but basically, it was this it was a sort of, like, untapped 
resource that I, I discovered through Instagram. It was really like a collective of other creative people that really are are very open to like sharing knowledge and kind of propping each other up and um, kind of uh, making those connections themselves. And that was not something I knew existed and now has allowed me to sort of like tap into stuff like across the world because like I, I have interactions with guys like, you know, some of these great painters out of Spain and the UK. And then, you know, there's some, some guys on the West coast of the U S and stuff like that. Uh, I just did a collaborative project with a guy from Australia. So, um, it, it really kind of shrinks the hobby world too for me a little bit, like, you know, uh, allowing me to, to sort of, like you said, just like scroll through this feed and you've got, the, some of like the world's most impressive miniature painters right there at your fingertips so yeah yeah absolutely i i think i think what is amazing about the miniature community and i've you know watched a ton of youtube videos and i've looked at instagram and i'm in facebook groups and things like that um the miniature community is the bright side of social media Yes. In my opinion, um, I have never seen anyone like disparage anybody or, you know, like I, I've seen some constructive feedback out there. And usually sure. it's, sure. you know, I mean, it, it, it's done in a very positive way too. like, you know, someone's like, hey, CNC welcome. And someone's like, oh, well, you know, like maybe you could do work on the contrast a little bit there that, you know, and, and maybe you'd be a little bit neater around with your metals because, you know, it was a little sloppy or whatever. Um, but you know, I mean, it was always a very positive, constructive type of thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I, you know, the rest of my social media is just blowing up like craziness. And it's almost like I like to go into my little bubble, yep. and go onto my Instagram, you know, or go into my little like hobby Facebook groups and just be like, all right, all right, world, you go do, you go rage while I sit in this little place of harmony. And I think that it's a real testament to the community though. Yeah, I mean, I that's the thing is like I've I, I've never experienced someone like trolling me or or like I mean genuinely like just nice, supportive, uh, uh, creative people, and that's such a rarity in I you know in general. So uh, you know it was something that um, you know I didn't think I would be this into it. Yeah, you know because. Uh, uh, but I definitely get excited about it because it's really oper- like opened up some doors and, and allowed me to kind of do things that I wouldn't have if I weren't part of that community. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we're just over an hour in the recording, so we'll probably wrap it up here in just a little bit. But I, I have sure. a feeling we have a lot to talk about still. And so um, I'm thinking that another podcast is probably in the future for us if 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 you're okay with that sure that would be great if, <laughs> but, Josh, I have, if you'd have yeah. me back on i've got uh what maybe one more question for you and appreciate all sure. the insight you've given us you've really inspired me to pick those brushes back up actually uh but one question yeah. uh what is it about orcs yeah that was a okay. question i was going to ask um all right so orcs i think are are one of those armies that are are a room for getting creative right so um, uh, I, I think the, the lore and the canon that went with things like space Marines, they're like so coveted. They're so like, um, like pristine, like people just kind of make them like 
very much they have to be this way. Whereas I, I feel like the orc players, like the the sky is the limit with your what you can do with with an orc essentially. Like uh, you've got orc pirates, you've got like wild yeah, west orcs, right. you've you got orcs in space, you got orcs mm-hmm. undersea. You know, like I mean they. Uh, and it's all sorts of uh, sort of fits. I, I don't know. Like it was just that sort of both the aesthetic and the opportunity to just kind of make them my own that I just sort of ran with it. And then it just kind of became my thing. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like I um, just started really like enjoying painting them and getting creative with them. Um, and it be, kind of became my comfort zone. And then people were like, oh, this guy is really good at painting orcs. And, um, uh, you know. I'm I'm just sort of now it's just I'm just sort of on a roll. Cool. Yeah, but they I look mean, great. You Thank go you, on man. to Josh's Instagram, uh, you know, at Quarter Paint, and I mean it is just full of orcs. And what yeah. I love is they are all different kinds. You've got dark green, light green, blue, pale. You know, you've got all different kinds of orcs, and you know your your methodology. I can tell when it's a quarter paint orc. You know, I can tell that it's your style, but what's interesting is it's not all the same orc. You know, you've got a lot of different things going on there, and I think that that's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I that's what I'm constantly trying to kind of do new things and explore, like, you know, kind of push the boundaries of, like, quote-unquote green skins, right? You know, like, I mean, it's, I, I really think it's, they're, they're almost like kind of this blank canvas. Like, you can really do some exciting things and I genuinely believe the quote-unquote orc community is some of the most creative people out there. Like, if you really take a deep dive into that, yeah. the guys that are, are like, scratch-building uh, vehicles and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, miniatures. Uh, you know, I collaborate with a couple of the, the guys over there that are, like, sculpting and kitbashing and, and just, like, doing these crazy builds and stuff like that and it's really orcs are the sort of starting inspiration from that and i so i think there's also like a type of person that like really gets into orcs too and uh, i found them to be like just uber creative which is it's a cool thing well and i think the lore fits it i mean you were talking about the space marine lore which is like they're on a golden pedestal they're the emperor's you know chosen type of thing and they do need to almost look and feel a certain way you can't muddy them up and kit bash them too much because like why would a space marine do that right yeah, yeah. an orc you're like dude the sky is the limit because <laughs> i mean their their lore is like bigger is better red is yep. faster if i believe yep. it then it's gonna happen yep and so you know like if you can if you can imagine it then that means that that orc that you just painted and put together and kit bash believed it at one time that all the guns that he decided to mount into his arms was going to work. And it was right. a great idea. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And there's, there's a certain appeal to that. Like, uh, you know, both uh, on in like, you know, creating cool minis, but then creatively too, where you can just, you can kind of run wild with it, which is really fun. Oh, it's fan- It's fantastic. I, I love the orc lore. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, 40k. Yeah. 40k. They bring a little whimsy to things too. They you know? do. In a quote-unquote grim dark setting, like they they can be a little bit com- comedic, which is kind of fun. <laughs> it's they're so great. Yeah, they're so great. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you yeah, for thanks. the uh, re podcast, if you will. Yeah, 
Um, Again, I think there's so much. One of the things that we talked about in our previous one was maybe getting together and sort of doing a collaboration um, competition contest. I don't know, you know, sort of some something, uh, an event, uh, you know, community event type of thing. Absolutely. That would be, I think, a ton of fun to, you know, to do and disengage the community with. So let's yeah, uh, let's let's, you know, we'll put our heads together and see if we can, you know, get people excited about it. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Thank you again. Thank you again for the repodcast and for our listeners. Uh, we hope you really enjoyed this. Uh, go ahead and give us some feedback. I will put in the show notes um, Josh's contact information and in both Instagram, YouTube. Um, that's probably the best way to, to get in touch with him and, and check out his stuff. So um, check him out. Give him some love. Lots of likes. Lots of follows. And uh, we will see you next week. All right. See ya. Thanks, guys.